Thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. In this series, Daniel J. Marino, Managing Partner of Lumina, talks to top experts and thought leaders in healthcare to help you navigate the journey to value-based care in the ever-changing landscape of the industry. The goal in this series is simple. We want to bring you disruptive success strategies by leveraging Lumina's experiences, stories, and insights while working with healthcare professionals and organizations across the country. In today's episode, Dan links up with Lucy Zielinski, managing partner at Lumina, to discuss the need for physician leadership training with tips for managing principals, Dr. George Mazel, Doug McKinley, with Louise Luban, vice chair and managing principal at Global Business Strategies. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about the episode and any questions that are at the top of your mind. Now, let's get started. We want to spend a few minutes today talking about physician leadership. Physician leadership is becoming more and more important as we start to see organizations transitioning themselves into these stronger clinical service models, or let's say developing these centers of excellence, or even being physician-led as a hospital. Physicians are asked to assume leadership roles, oftentimes without the right level of training and those things that really are required for them to be successful and for the organization to be successful. In response to what we've heard from many areas around the country, we've developed the Physician Leadership Institute at Lumina Health Partners. I am pleased today to have with me my colleague, Lucy Zielinski, co-founder of the Lumina Leadership Institute. Lucy, welcome. Thank you, Dan. I'm happy to join you. So Lucy, talk a little bit about what the Institute is and sort of the the purpose of of creating the Institute. Sure. So we're really excited, as you know, with the Leadership uh, Institute here. Uh, We believe that physician leaders um, have historically been smart providers, right? Been able to manage their practices. But now we're seeing more and more physicians take a leadership role, like you you just mentioned, Dan. Um, they're leading uh, bigger clinical teams. Uh, they're running ACOs or clinically integrated networks. We also see a lot of organizations or health systems have dyads where the clinician, the provider, the physician is paired up with an executive. And those seem to be working very well. Um, have you, how have you seen uh, those dyad leadership structures work? Well, the diet models are really important because what it does is it creates a great complement of the exceptional clinical skills that are required to advance a lot of the organization strategy, combining that with a lot of the business skills. But I'll tell you, we're starting to see more and more physicians assuming, you know, that that primary role of, of the physician leaders. And, you know, if I could reference just a couple of weeks back, our colleague, Doug McKinley, led a fantastic discussion with Dr. George Mazel and Dr. Luis Loban on different keys to strategic leadership success, where they spend some time talking about how physicians need to develop their skills, how they need to develop some of their training, how they need to develop some of the activities that will make them successful as they begin to lead. And I'll tell you one other thing, you know, many physicians are trained, are exceptionally trained in the clinical delivery, but they're not trained hardly at all on the business delivery. 
Yes, and Dan, uh, and I think we can, once we listen in into the webinar here, Dr. Doug McKinley talked about the difference between EQ and IQ. And it's that EQ, that emotional quotient that is so important with leaders, especially with physician leaders. So there's a pivot or, or a little bit of a, a switch that they have to make and learn some of these new skills uh, to, to up the game with their EQ. So I'm gonna spend a couple minutes sharing with our audience today, the first part of this webinar, I thought it was really interesting, where Doug led the group through a great discussion on understanding the right path developing the physician leader. And it's not a one size fits all. As you begin to develop that training, it is really based on the, the role that the physician is assuming, their prior business skills, and really the goals that they want to achieve. Let's spend a couple minutes listening to this. I was in full-time practice while I, was, while I got my MBA. So um, yeah, I don't know that there was a grand plan. I sense, I sense some real humility in both of you. There, there had to be some at some point in that pathway, that journey, that you said, I don't think I know enough. And one of the, <clears throat> one of the questions that just came in from our audience is um, learning about humility, and I'm going to tie that to self-awareness. At what point did you realize, okay, I could, I, could, I could do better, like Gord said, but am I humble enough to admit I could use some extra training? And talk, just talk about that in position in particular, either of you. I think that's one of the difference is in a physician, you have to be totally confident, walk in the room. You can't be in front of a patient and they can't see doubts. I mean, you may not know everything, but you have to be confident and you have to be self-assured. I think as you move into healthcare and the business side, I think we all realize that, you know, and I'm still learning every day. I'm, I'm sure Louise would agree with me. Um, the, the more we learn, the less we understand, the more we understand we don't know. So right. I think that that's part of the process of, and you were going to talk about emotional intelligence later, I think um, that's part of that understanding that, you know, you're sitting at a table, there's always people around the table in their particular area that's always smarter than you are. And you have to just um, try to understand that, but defer to them. I think, I think that's interesting you said that, George. Louise, I'll ask you this question. I think the perception is, is that the doctor is all, the MD is always the smartest one in the room. Um, I don't know that executives in healthcare would agree with that anymore. I think there's been a, not. <laughs> there's been a, a balance of power, but humility, self-awareness, physicians, just pre-associate. What comes to mind when I say those words, Luis? Yeah, so um, I, I want to connect back to one of the points that Doug just mentioned, and, and that is um, the career of the, of the physician leader, the, the healthcare executive leader, um, it does not have to be one where you depart from clinical practice. To me, that is the self-awareness that brings me back to who I am, where my roots are, and what I serve, and who I serve, which is my patient. Now, in terms of humility, I think that it, there's no better time to really not consider yourself the smarter person in the room than when you are facing a challenging clinical case and you need the rest of your team around you to support the care for that patient. So to me, that is the moment of humility. To me, that is the moment of awareness that I bring into the boardroom, into the C-suite. You know, when decisions are made, you know, that involve many more patients and population health management, uh, but keeping in mind that at the end of the line, there is a patient that is going to receive, you know, the care consequences or benefits 
of, of those decisions that are made in the CCP. Do you think this is common amongst physicians? I mean, I work, I get to enter conversations with many of you and you work at a very uh, prestigious uh, university area setting, Luis and, and George, you've been to several. Are other physicians humble enough to say what you two just said or are you more like uh, purple squirrels out there in the field? What, what's your, your, they're your peers, so tell us. So, uh, it, um, George, if, you, if I may jump on this one. Um, so the, 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 the headline, the title for this webinar is Physician Leadership 2021. So we're in a new era. We're in a, yeah. new, in a, new, uh, right. in a new place where uh, I believe that every time I have a conversation with our residents, have a conversation with our, with our trainees, our medical students, um, it's, it's not just about us as individuals. It's about the purpose that we fulfill and the teams that we work with. So I think there's a change in that paradigm, frankly, Doug. I really believe that the physicians of the future, uh, all the work, the healthcare uh, workforce, it will, will change that paradigm of, of I feeling that. I am empowered and I hold the power to yeah. empower others, you know, and be uh, for the service and the benefit of the patient. Yeah. Well, we need to move on, George, but if you want to say something, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to say I absolutely agree. I think we're seeing more team-based care. I think um, some of the, you know, particularly some of the younger uh, physicians are, are trained differently with, with, you know, with that broader thinking. And I, I, I'm very optimistic about the future in terms of um, all of us thinking differently. Yeah, that's so encouraging. Honestly, I have found it to be it's it's more of a uh, it's more of an anomaly if I find a physician that's not humble, and I've worked with hundreds around the country that usually in major leadership roles. So it's people always ask me, "Isn't that tough working?" I'm like, "No, these are people. You, these are humans as well. Yes, they play a powerful role in our community, and it does go to their heads sometimes. I'm sure each of you. If we had more time, I could ask you uh, about the mistakes that you made when that oh. happened, but. We need, a lot, we need a lot, not longer WebEx, I think. Yeah, that's right. I, as a rule, I really find really decent humans behind the roles of physicians. And it, there are exceptions, of course, but it's been really a joy to serve uh, you and your colleagues. Well, this, uh, let's talk about relationships. So one of, the, one of the myths, I don't know if it's a myth or true, that doctors sometimes are more, uh, they're scientists, you're scientists, so getting along with others is not your... It's not, it's not your affinity or your natural strength. And this new term has emerged in our workplace called emotional intelligence. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna spend much time here. I'm just gonna comment on somebody, refer, George, you referenced it, but the difference between IQ and EQ is IQ is something that is, is how the capability for intelligence, cognitive intelligence. When we're talking about emotional intelligence is is that, that those other aspects that are not related to cognitive cognition, but social and emotional. My favorite definition is that EQ or emotional intelligence is the intelligent use of emotions. Emotions are gonna happen. To what degree do you have mastery of intentionality behind what you choose to do with those normal emotions? So that's the backdrop for my next question, but. I'm sure this will uh, generate a lot of questions. Are you hearing about this term, emotional intelligence? Is this newer to you or has it been around for a while? More and more. More and more. You know, I, I, I think, um, Doug, um, on your first bullet, 
um, I'd like to change it slightly. And instead okay. of IQ versus EQ, I would say IQ plus EQ equals, you know, uh, triple, you know, benefit, right? So it's a, it's, it's a plus to have both together. Wow, that was great. I really, I really enjoyed that. I particularly enjoyed the difference that Dr. Loban and Dr. Maisel discussed on how they develop themselves as a leader. Dr. Loban talked about more of a prescribed approach where he took his training classes and, and developed his own leadership skills, you know, and, and it, was, it, was more of a, it was more of a path. It was more of a prescribed approach as opposed to Dr. Maisel who got involved in leadership really by opportunity. Yeah, Dan, that's a great point that you just brought up. Uh, and I can tell you personally that finding a good mentor has been very important for me. And, and just like any physician, uh, I would highly recommend that, and I think Dr. Maisel mentioned it, that a good mentor who has been through the trenches, who has learned things probably the hard way sometimes, um, can be a huge asset to that uh, younger leader. Yeah, you're absolutely right the mentorship, the relationships you end up building. It's a, just a, a great way to learn, especially a new or a young leader just starting to move into that role. Well, the next thing that they talk about that I, I'd really love to share with the audience is the conversation around relationships and emotional intelligence. I particularly like the way Doug McKinley brings that out, that emotional intelligence in some cases is you know, we often take that for granted, but it is so critical as new physician leaders start to develop their own leadership style and really how they interact with their teams. Let's listen. To not um, be an advocate for that, I think, first of all, the engagement polls that have been done by Gallup and others, there's always a question that highly engaged um, employees answer is true, and that is, do they have a best friend at work? So they have somebody they feel close to. So friendship and work, um, I think it's an interesting conversation. I, I think it's a different type of friendship, but we spend a lot of time with each other. I would just hope that all of us would be open to becoming friends um, in a collegial way and because we're doing hard stuff together. So I get it. You might have to fire your friend, which is the, that's usually why that's referenced, Lise, is, you know, you don't want to have to do that. But George, any comments before we move to the next question? Um, yeah, I, you know, I think this is an area that's changing a lot. Um, I think yeah. it used to be, you know, as you moved up the ladder, you were considered a suit is the term that I always heard. And, and you were considered you were an administrative team and you, and you weren't a physician anymore, you want to peer. And that right. kind of happened at the group level, not so much at the individual level. But I think that's changing because I think um, folks are recognizing that they need representation at that level, that, that you're, you're in a perfect spot to represent both sides at the benefit of the patient. And I think there's an understanding now that role is becoming more important. So I, I feel like that's that's becoming less of an issue. At least I hope it is, and I think it is. Yeah, let's hope so. I, I, if, even if you just, even if the word friend throws you, if you think about these three attributes being humble, hungry, and smart, I think it'll get you farther down the road in leadership opportunities, um, keeping a balance. and. Basically, the research on this is that you have to have sufficiently enough in each of, you don't have to be 100% humble, hungry, and smart, but sufficiently enough, let's say 67%, 66% of each. And in certain situations, I'm sure 
Physicians have to be adaptive in their leadership approach. There's gonna be times when you have to move in and out of these uh, qualities um, very, very vigilantly and versatile, uh, depending on the, cir the circumstances you're in, the context. All right, business acumen. Um, I have this little, this little saying that I've, I've been using the last 15 years working in healthcare. And uh, you, both of you have already made some shifts, but I'd be curious to how you think about it. Again, we're talking about the ability to, you know, run the business, understand P&L and, and, and make organizational changes. But the idea that I think has changed from my perspective, especially when I started as a clinician, that we, when I was in grad school, we were, we were, finding, we were diagnosing problems and we were treating them. That's kind of how I was trained. And I never... I never liked that part. That was my least favorite part of being a psychologist. I'm not, these are people. So I, I, I started out my career not thinking about diagnosis. I looked at the patient and I wanted to care for them. But I've noticed something else has happened and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's reinforced and promoted by patient satisfaction scores and HCAPs and all the stuff that's going on. And that is that we now have a customer that we have to satisfy. For the first time in the last 10, 12 years that we have competition. We have uh, consolidation going on and we have people you know, taking market share. And so we have to think about, think differently. What's this like for, for you two who have, you know, you, you've, you've had established roles and tell us about business acumen and how you've made those shifts from, not shift, but, but, but being a clinician, but also understanding how to work on the business, not just in the business. Um, uh, George, I'll take the first stab and, and if, uh, you can elaborate on it, um, or disagree with me altogether. That's, uh, that's, uh, perfectly I'll fine as well. So, um, I, and then you already introduced the next bullet, which I think is, is, is incredibly important, right? In it versus on it. Um, I think that, um, from my perspective, what I would like to, to say about, the business acumen is that um, my clinical practice um, is what keeps me uh, very much in tune um, with all the business aspects of that practice, yeah, operations, finances, patient satisfaction, etc. Um, I see it. I see it in real in real life. I see the 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 applications of that business of this industry in real life every day when I'm taking care of patients. Um, the value-based care, the patient satisfaction, the teamwork, the strategy formulation and, and alignment. Um, so it's, it's, it becomes very easy at this point in my practice to really align those two components um, of what I do back in the office or in a, in a boardroom uh, with what I do taking care of a patient. However, I don't mix them. Um, when I'm working clinically, I don't take any calls. Okay. I, I don't get distracted. I am there for the patient 100%. However, my radar screen is up at all times determining what is that is radar. happening to that patient that yeah. is actually not aligned or not in tune with whatever is being discussed you know, in that boardroom uh, or that is strategy formulation that it was agreed upon by the physician and other healthcare leaders in my organization. Do you take notes when you have that metacognition, when you sort of look at yourself as a spectator of what the conversation is? Do you take notes, mental notes or physical notes? How do you capture that data? 
So um, in the early years of practice, um, that difficult case or that challenging case um, was one that you went back home and read about um, to help it solidify. Sure. What I do now with, with, with my, uh, during my clinical time is take mental notes of those situations that I'm actually encountering that need to be reviewed, addressed, studied further, discussed with others that have affected that particular patient care not from a clinical perspective, but from actually a leadership and management perspective and act on that um, soon after, actually. Uh, but I keep mental notes. I don't, I don't write things down. Sometimes I do if I'm very busy and I'm, uh, I'm afraid to forget, but I, I, do, uh, I do take a few minutes after my clinical time to actually debrief um, with myself and others at times on those situations that arose during that clinical shift that are pertinent to the work that I do outside of the clinical uh, area. I think there's two things here. One for our listeners uh, that that while you're doing your clinical work, here's one idea. It's just one doctor's way. They don't take interruptive calls about administrative things. That's amazing. That's a nice what I would call a psychological leadership boundary. That's saying I'm I'm going to stay focused. And we know we know through the research that if if you just pay a little more attention to the patient, you'll have a better outcome, right? Just sometimes I think in some, some research, the lawsuits are like three minutes separation between people that get sued and don't get sued. Just that ability to ask one more question. George, what's your, and the second technique I think is debriefing uh, with others and taking mental notes. George, what are some things you do to work on the business as opposed to in it or, and move back and forth? Yeah, I think, um, this um, model you have up is, is really right on. I, I just want to comment on that first and say that it, it really looks at moving the care from, you know, hospital and physician centric to patient centric, and it also moves it um, to health and not health care, which is the, you know, the classic population health thinking. All of a sudden, it's not just about taking care of the diseases, it's about taking care of the health of the patient, which is really very different than healthcare delivery. And I think understanding all those things and having that that knowledge and experience taking care of patients, but also being in all parts of the healthcare industry makes it really the right type of person to try, try to change the healthcare industry. I think we all agree it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And I think we all agree it's not moving in the right direction as fast as we'd like it. Um, I think COVID has certainly brought up some of the warts and moles that, um, that is our healthcare delivery system. And we could probably spend a whole week on that too. But all that being said, I think physicians in leadership roles are the right people to try to make this better and make it right um, because they understand all aspects, including um, that patient care side. So I think understanding that business and being able to put the care process into a business process and not do it for one patient, but do it for patients in a population or globally is really the right way to go. So I think it's just being in a position where you understand all sides of the equation. There's no evil people in healthcare. The payers aren't evil. The providers aren't equal. The hospital systems, everybody's trying to do the right thing. They just come out from a very different direction. And understanding all those directions um, and putting them, aligning those at the, at the patient in the middle is really, I think, what a physician is in a perfect role to do if they have the background and the facts and the knowledge base and the humility and all those other things we already talked about. Boy, that was great, Lucy. I enjoyed that. And one of the things that, that Doug pointed out was 
the criteria of an ideal team player. He mentioned that um, one, one of the characteristics there is you have to be humble, yet you have to be hungry and you have to be smart on your approach. And as you're building your teams, those philosophies need to translate all the way through the team members in, in such a way that you're really advancing that passion. Mm -hmm. And that EQ can make all the difference in the world. When physicians, when physician leaders have that ability to relate to others effectively, that's when the team wins. I agree. I agree. And so that kind of leads us to the third area that I'd like to share with the audience. And it's really around the development of business acumen. And, you know, as we've said earlier, physicians often are trained as very good clinicians and, you know, they're, they're trained to be the, the clinical leader, but they're not trained to be the business leader. And in some cases, it's really even understanding something as simple as finance or how to work with the team or, you know, building a right strategic plan, that business acumen is really important. That business knowledge combined with what it takes for a physician to really lead a team is what's going to make a physician leader successful. I, I can't help but uh, chuckle here because as business executives, how many times have we sat across the table from physicians and it felt like we just spoke a different language? Yeah, absolutely. And as think about what that language is, that's where I think physicians really have an opportunity to really learn and to bridge that gap. Let's listen. Yeah, and the interest, right? I, I hope, I think, George, I interview more physician leaders that came up like you did that say, I just sort of, I ended up in these roles. It wasn't like I was, I had a career strategy. And I, I hear more of that, especially with nurse leaders, CNOs of organizations. And I think that's probably more common. Um, regardless, there, I, I do think it's, it's critical that physicians understand that leadership and running the business, working on the business is different than working in the business. They, clinical work and you know, operational work are very different. And I, I encourage listeners to pay attention to that, um, equip themselves, educate like George and Luis did, find ways to uh, improve on that. I wanted to spend the last five minutes on this powerful question of next generation uh, physicians, leaders uh, 2021 and beyond. So I'm just gonna shut up and ask the question, what, what advice do you have for our audience and what they're, some of the people on the call are probably mentoring younger physicians or are one. What do you guys have to say and just share your wisdom, please. Okay, I guess I'll go first on this one. Um, we have I, five minutes, so go. We got two and a half minutes each. Yeah, no, no, no pressure. Um, I think we, I think if nothing else, this is, we, we've explained how important this is. You're gonna be a leader, whether you, you know, just being a physician. So you have got to, Take the time and learn the skills. You're not going to be taught it. Recognize that you probably have not been taught it. Find a way to teach yourself or to take a course or to take a program. Uh, a mentor is a critical piece. Or in my case, I've had several great mentors over the years. And each one added different, different thinking and different ways of doing things, but all incredibly valuable. So just understand how important it is for your role in changing healthcare in the future whether you do it at the local level or, or global level, 
and, and take the time to, to learn about the business, at least enough so you understand it. You can actually, I believe, take better care of your patients if you understand healthcare delivery and where it's going. And you certainly can do a job, a better job in helping change the system. And since we only have five minutes, I will stop there. Yeah, I mean, well, well said, George. It's, uh, um, very little else that I would like to add, but I would ask the participants to, and the young physicians um, uh, looking into careers, in, uh, into leadership uh, positions and roles, to, to listen a lot, to keep their eyes open, to observe, to develop relationships, um, seek those mentors um, so they can learn different paths to get to those leadership roles. Um, but never cease to have a high degree of curiosity for what is out there that can improve, you know, the care of our patients locally, regionally, and as George said before, globally as well. Um, I think those are key components of, uh, of seeking a, a leadership career. Um, the MBAs will come, you know, the advanced degrees will come if you need them. They're all out there. Those are not limiting steps by any stretch of the imagination. Leaders you know, are not made out of diplomas or badges. Leaders are made out of experience and developing relationships in, within our industry and beyond. Um, and, and not forgetting who we serve at the end, which is the patient, but also helped by many other people in the healthcare industry that again, are not our enemies as, as I think you Doug mentioned. They're not our enemies. They're not there to tell us what to do. They're there's to help us, you know, formulate the best options, you know, for care and management. Um, so curiosity, uh, inclusivity, uh, developing relationships, uh, and keep your eyes open and listen a lot. Those would be my recommendations. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, audience, I, I captured a few things. Uh, I'm going to summarize them. I think, thank you, George, and thank you, Louise, for, first of all, for just your the, length, the longevity of your career and the impact, the wake behind your, your career boat is evident, if you know what I'm talking about. The leadership wake behind you is, uh, is rich. I, I, I know both of you from uh, your, your reputations, and now I'm getting to know you as humans. Thank you for the contributions you've made. It's, it's, it's uh, significant. And I hope any physician that that aspires towards leadership. I, it's interesting, George. I think all physicians kind of are leaders. You're a leader because you are you are in a role people look to for decisions, for strategy, and so. But if you take a, a, a literal position, so a couple of things. One, I think I I tried to introduce the idea of first of all, we're all humans. Let's uh, let's just be people, and if you want to grow yourself as a leader, let's let's. You got to grow as a human and be a better human. Um, I love, I think one of the takeaways I have is this idea of seeking mentorship or participate. I don't know how that works. We didn't have time to explore it, but mentors will find you if you're, if you're humble enough. I think there's enough desire to give back people and both George and Luis referenced mentors in their life and the importance of that. The third thing I think that Luis was just mentioning is staying vigilant. Um, just stay vigilant and open to new ideas and innovation as things come along. It's, it's gonna be very critical, uh, especially in 2021 and beyond. And then George just closed with this, I think clever. Um, and the business acumen side of the administrative side of healthcare, you're gonna, you're gonna be a better clinician. 
this isn't like a waste of your time. I think that's a great, a great tip for all of us to remember. You're you're adding like the 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 rings of a tree are adding from the core stays the same. The clinician is the core and the ring of the tree. And as you add more knowledge, you're going to be a better, stronger clinician if you understand what what's happening around you. What a beautiful gift. Thank you, George. I really enjoyed that. I appreciated hearing how business acumen is really taken for granted, but it is so essential as physicians develop themselves into strong physician leaders. I particularly enjoyed the way Doug McKinley and the team talked about working in it as physicians, but yet the need to work on it as operational and business leaders. Any thoughts, Lucy? Yes, um, I especially like the working on it as well. It, a leader has the opportunity to hop on that bird perch to see what's really going on in these complex and complicated um, payment models and care delivery systems. And uh, it allows the team then to collaborate, work together. And this is something different than that we historically have done. I mean, we've sat around the table with a lot of executives. So now we're sitting around the table with physicians and executives, and it's a delight to be sitting in that chair. It is, and one of the things I'm particularly excited about are all the resources we have included in the Lumina Leadership Institute. It really will provide a, a tremendous amount of support for these new physician leaders. So, you know, like you said, when they are sitting now across the table from their peers, they can speak the same language. They can drive to the same goals, and they have now the ability or a path to help them get there and to be successful. Yes, because historically, physicians have had strong technical skills, but it's those soft skills, those people skills that maybe could have used some additional improvement. So that's what's exciting is, is train leaders to enhance those people skills. If any of our audience is interested in learning a little bit more about the Lumina Leadership Institute, please log on to luminahp.com slash institute, where you're going to be able to find tremendous amount of resource information, as well as then the on-demand full webinar that Doug McKinley led us through with Dr. Loban and Dr. Maisel. We want to thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights Podcast by Lumina Health Partners. We at Lumina are your partners on the journey to value-based care and all the pivots and challenges our industry is going through. To learn more about us, visit us on luminahp.com. And if you found value in today's conversation, subscribe on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify, and leave us feedback. Be sure to check out our show notes at luminahp.com forward slash insights. Join us again, where we continue to take a deep dive into what lies ahead and invite conversations with several of our colleagues and industry thought leaders on new trends that are emerging and how we can continue to navigate and thrive. Until then, have a great day.